James chapter number four tonight. James chapter number four. And uh, while you're turning there, um, Leslie and the shoebox crew has already begun uh, collecting items and getting ready for the uh, for the Operation Christmas Child uh, shoebox ministry that that Leslie is uh, is basically heads that up and she. Uh, is uh, passionate about that, and today she uh, gave me some information that I thought and we thought would be fitting to pass along. You might wonder uh, where your shoeboxes go, like where do they go? Well, uh, she, she can actually track them, or some of them have been tracked. Um, some of the shoeboxes the church has mailed off have went to Guatemala, some of them have went to Madagascar. Um, some of them have re- went to like hard to reach areas. You could think of like, I, I just imagine like China, places that uh, maybe shouldn't be advertised where they're going to. Um, there's been a shoebox sent to from our church, if I can pronounce the name right. Uh, Malawi, M-A-L-A-W-I, and maybe another one, Maui, M-A-L-I. And there's been uh, some from our church even sent to the Ukraine on December the 12th. Um, that's interesting. It's nice to know where they went to, you know. Um, in every shoebox, there's, uh, there's information about the gospel. There's a, a Bible written in their language. Um, you think about the shoebox and then the, the $10 that goes with it goes to uh, transportation, shipping to other countries, training leaders, a 12-week discipleship program in their language, and uh, many other things. So you think, well, why why should we care about that? Well, we actually should care about the Great Commission. We should care that a Bible, God's Word, is going to the Ukraine. Um, we, we We should care about that. Going to Madagascar, that's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, thank God for that. Um, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, I, didn't, I wasn't there, I didn't see the face. Uh, we think about even the sermon audio that our church, we, we're, we're, uh, our sermons go on sermon audio all over the world. We get to see where they go. It's, it's interesting, there might be some young person listening to a sermon um, from Westside Baptist Church, I might not ever meet till heaven, uh, maybe then I'll see. So who knows what God is up to, um, so we thank God for that, I, we thought thought it'd be interesting to, for you to hear. Uh, this year, I think Leslie's going to do like collect monthly items. So like one month, for example, might be toothbrushes. So you could bring toothbrushes uh, for that month. And, uh, and then she'll, everybody will gather together who would like to, who's, uh, who's interested in that. And there'll be a big church packing party. So, uh, so uh, be praying about what you can do for God. You think, what can I do for God? Well, buy a toothbrush. I don't, uh, um, get involved in something. God can use you. So that'll be going on this year, and we pray that it's a uh, big success, and we absolutely want Bibles and gospel literature going around the world. And if we can play a small part in that, fulfilling the Great Commission, then praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise God for that. So, all right, let's turn to the book of James, chapter number 4. James, chapter number 4. And let's look at verse number 8 through 10. James, chapter number 4, verses 8 through 10. If you're there, say amen. Amen. 
The Word of God says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Let's pray together. My Heavenly Father, thank you once more for this gathering. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word. Lord, you'd help me. You'd help me as I preach. You'd help, Lord, me and them as we all listen. And God, that you would transform us by your word. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Christ. In your name, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Remember last Sunday night, um, we, we considered the, um, what's been known as the Asbury Revival. And if you remember last Sunday night, the last half of the sermon, we, we, we discovered in God's Word what were some marks of revival. And just for review real quick, we learned that revivals are marked by high views of God. A revival is marked by confession and repentance of sin. A revival is marked, by, marked with a hunger and a thirst for God. And lastly, a revival is marked by a surrender to God's will. So if there's no like lasting change, then we can say that that's not been a revival. If, if, people, aren't, if people aren't hungry for God a week later, then we can say then that's, that's, not, that's not a sign of revival. If we could say, well, they, there was a thousand converts, but there's not been a thousand baptisms, or at least 800, then we could say that's, that's not really a sign of a move of God in a, in a, in a way that we understand revival. And you might be thinking, like, I, I wish that something like that, maybe you're thinking of the Asbury, uh, Asbury Revival or the movement up there in Kentucky, I wish something like that could happen to me. Now, I'll admit that revivals, you can think about an outpouring of God's Spirit affecting a group of people. That's normally a sign of a, of a, of a revival. But this passage teaches us that Though we might not have revival maybe in Lonsdale or Beaumont or Knoxville, there's no reason why you can't have revival. There's no reason why that you can't experience an outpouring of God, a supernatural outpouring of God's grace, His power, His, His influence in your life. There's no reason why that you can't experience God. I heard a lot of people say, well, I wish that I could go up there to Kentucky and see what's going on absolutely get the thinking behind that. The thinking behind that is maybe, and I, I understand, I do want to see a community seeking God, a mass of people seeking God. I'd like to see that. But some people were saying like, well, I want to go up there to experience revival. And I want you to know that revivals, when they take place, it normally it happens and it spreads. It, it goes out. It, it Something happens there and it transforms some, somewhere else, some other community. And so you might think, well, if I can't get there, then I can't have a move of God in my life. But that's not what James chapter 4 teaches. That you tonight can have a move of God in your life. And it, it can be something that is so radically transforming that it will transform your life to the glory of God. Sometimes we think, well, that can't be because... There's not, a, uh, there's not a famous preacher here. That can't be. There's not a, uh, there's not a huge um, effort to organize 
wonderful singers or talented singing groups, and we can't have that. But that's not true. You could take James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, and you could have what, what many would say is a revival. You could have that in your living room if we would practice what James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 teaches us. James, he says that we should draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That God is inviting you into his presence. That's what verse 8 is saying. God is asking you, I want you in my presence. God is inviting you. It is an invitation for you tonight as Christians for you to experience God. God says, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to me. God says, if you'll do that, then he will draw nigh to you. I often think about the, uh, the prodigal son, the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And the Bible says, remember the young man, the younger brother said, I'm going to rise to go to my father's house. He came to himself. And the, I think the experiencing God starts with that. He came to himself. He came to his senses. He's tired of living on the low end of things. And the Bible says he came to himself and he went to his father. And the Bible says while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And his father ran to him and kissed him and hugged his neck and was rejoicing and threw a party. But while he was a great way off, his father ran to him to greet his son. And we see in that parable that this young, the younger brother drew nigh to his father and his father, he drew nigh to him. You might think, well, why wouldn't his father go after him? Because his son first needed to leave the far country. And he left the far country, and he began to draw nigh back to his father, and his father ran to him and rewarded him with his love, his, his acceptance, with, with, with his presence. So while he was a great way off, the father, he went and embraced his son. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Again, the invitation is, is for you and I to seek after God, to desire God. We desire a bunch of things, don't we? But do we desire God? Desire God with a, with a passion, with, a, with, a, with rigor, with strength, with energy. Do we seek God like that? I told you recently we got a dog, and he ate a rock, I told you that, and it cost us $1,500 to get the rock out. It was a big one. Some dog, huh? And then, but I noticed my dog, we, he loves chasing a Frisbee. And so I throw a Frisbee, and if he can't find it, he will not quit until he finds it. I can't break him from it. I can't call him to me. I can't distract him. I threw the Frisbee. He's going after the Frisbee. A lot of times when I see my dog hunting down that Frisbee, I mean with passion. He is serious. He is obsessed. He is intrigued. He is focused. He's exerting all of his energy, all of his might. He's after that Frisbee. A lot of times when I see him do that, I think, do I seek God like that? Do I am so easily distracted about so many things? Desire God. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The Bible has a lot to say about seeking God. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, we often think about this passage when we're thinking about revival. 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 Verse number 14, a familiar passage. 
The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. So draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. If they seek my face, God says, then... Then, if they seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The question really boils down to is do we want that much God in our life? That's the question. Do we desire God? There's another passage in the book of, uh, the book of Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah chapter 55 and look, if you will, at verses 6 through 7. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 7. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon, God says. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29, verse 13, the Word of God says this, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. If you'll search for me with all of your heart, God says, you will find me. So the idea is it's not so much that God is running from you, but really it's you and I that runs from God. It's not so much that God is playing hide and seek, but really it's we're the ones that hide and run from God. Or we say we seek Him, but we fail to do what He says. If you will draw nigh to me, God says, I will draw nigh to you. That's what He says. And so if I ask anybody here tonight, if I ask anybody here, would you, do you want to be close to God? I know the answer, it'd be yes. It'd be yes, absolutely. If I ask any one of us tonight, do you want more of God in your life? The answer would be, amen, yes. Absolutely. Not a Christian would say, no, I don't want more of God. But what does seeking God look like? I quoted it the other day. It's in the book of Psalms. I'm going to turn there. Psalms chapter number 42. Psalms chapter 42, I think it's my most, to me, it's my favorite psalm. Psalm chapter 42, look at verses 1 through 3. I want to be close to God, absolutely, but what does getting close to God look like as a believer? Psalms chapter number 42, verses 1 through 3. This is what seeking God looks like. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I told you last week, the heart is a deer As a deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. This is an animal who is craving water. The idea is is that if I don't have water, I won't live. Not one of us can live without water. All of us, though, a lot of times try to live without God. And so the heart, the deer, it's panting after water. And he's seeking water. He's obsessed with water. And he's thinking, if I don't get water, I will die. If I don't get water, I can't live. If I don't get water, I can't function. I have to have this water lest I die. And this deer is panting after the water brooks. He is craving it bad. He's obsessed with it. He's 
He has to have it. He, if he don't get it, he will die. He don't want food. He don't want sleep. He don't want anything. All he wants is this water brook. He, all he wants is water. Verse number 2, my soul thirsteth for God. So David gives the metaphor, then he says, I'm like the deer that pants after water. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and appear before God? Verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night. He's crying day and night. And he's saying this, I need God. I need more of God. I long for God. I seek after God. As the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. David is saying, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? He's searching for God. He's seeking after God. And this is what seeking after God looks like. Many of us, oftentimes, we're we're more worried about how we look, aren't we? We're more worried about what type of food we're going to eat. We're more worried about uh, how much money we're going to make. We're more worried about what people think about us. We're more worried about all kinds of stuff. We're so distracted, it's it's seeking other things. It's no wonder that we all say, I want more of God. But when it comes down to seeking after God, we are obsessed with so many other things, aren't we, in our lives? If we could really judge ourselves, we might say this about our lives, is that I want more of everything else except God. I'm more interested in every other thing except God. Now God says, if you'll be like that, then you will have me. Our text says, as our text says that whoever draws nigh to God, that God will draw nigh unto them. Look at verse 9 of James chapter number 4. Verse 9 of James chapter number 4. James says to be afflicted and to mourn and to weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. A lot of times we think, well, I want to be happy, but James says that if we're going to seek after God, we have to be afflicted. We have to mourn. We have to weep. This is someone who has a deep concern about the relationship with God. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So when you come to Him, don't come half-minded. When you come to Him, don't straddle the fence. When you come to Him, don't come to Him with one eye on the Lord and one eye on the world. Don't be double-minded. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And all of us would say tonight, I want God, but are we coming to Him, in verse 8, with clean hands? So we, we seek after God, we draw nigh to God, and when we come to Him, we must come with clean hands. That means we've confessed, we're, I'm forsaking all, I'm coming after you. We're coming to Him with a pure heart. We're getting rid of all the filth and all the sin and all, all the inordinate affections and all the lasciviousness and adultery and all the lust and all the covetousness and all the anger and all the jealousy and all the pain and all the distractions that keep us away from God. 
We're getting rid of all of that and we're seeking God only. And draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Wretchedness, sorrow, and tears are three steps that take place before anybody really comes to God. Wretchedness, sorrow, and tears. Why would we draw nigh to Him? I need Thee, O God. No one draws nigh to Him unless they first need Him. And how do they know they need Him? They're wretched and they see it. Say, oh, I'm a wretched person. I'm a sinful person. Wretchedness then becomes sorrow. The word afflicted in verse number nine, it means to endure misery. That a person afflicts themselves and they mourn over their sin. And they are contrite and they're, 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 they're burdened over their iniquities. But we're dealing with a generation that everybody is right and nobody is wrong. And nobody dare wants to come to the house of God and deal with their sins. People want to lift up holy hands without cleaning them up first. People want to praise the Lord without first having contrition. People want to have a church experience without having an experience with God. And having an experience with God starts with affliction and mourning over sin. It starts with contrition. It starts with brokenness. It starts with affliction. It starts with the realization that I am so needy and sinful and vile that I need God. And draw nigh to God. Well, how? Let's clean up our hands. Oh, look, oh God, I come before you. I praise you. And there's nothing between you and I. And this comes through affliction and contrition and mourning and weeping and being in agony over my sins. My sins before you. But no, not today. Not in this world. We want to have a church experience. But we can have all types of church experiences. But I'd rather have an experience with God than have a church experience. Wouldn't you? To meet God. To know God. To experience the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and the love of God. To know Him. To enjoy Him and desire Him and crave Him and pant after Him. To be interested in Him. To want Him above all other things. If only we'd draw nigh to God. There's so many distractions in our lives though, isn't there? So many things that catch our eye. So many other influences that take us away from Him. So many other hobbies that draw us away from even beginning to have an appetite for God. And no one wants to dare get close to God, I think sometimes, because that would mean to get close to God would be, verse 9, affliction and mourning and weeping and let your laughter be turned into mourning and joy to have heaviness. And in verse number 10, to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. But the modern church and the modern man and the modern woman just wants to have and church experience and not have affliction and mourning and weeping and contrition over their sins before a holy and a just God. And draw nigh to God. 
and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And I want to ask you, and I'm about through, when is the last time, I'm not talking about low self-esteem, I'm not talking about being down about the way you look, I'm not talking about being discouraged about how you don't have any money, or being discouraged because someone didn't think something of you, or they thought the wrong thing, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being just generally depressed. When is the last time you have mourned over your sins, weeped over your transgressions? Have you ever done that? Think about it. Have you ever been afflicted because of sin in your life? Have you ever, as the text said, your laughter turned to mourning? And your joy to heaviness? Have you ever been in a point where you wept over your sins? Because I'm, I'm going to say something that might seem somewhat radical, but it's hard to me, for me to believe that people have an experience with God without weeping. They have an experience with God without mourning. Ever. Never that their experience with God is always laughter and joy and happiness. That whenever they come in the presence of God, they're always just filled with so much joy. It makes me wonder, do they not see it? Do they not get it? That whenever they have an encounter with God, they say, when I was just so happy. I'm glad there's times like that, aren't you? But to say that you have never weeped in the presence of God makes me wonder, have you ever drew nigh to Him? Have you ever got so close to Him that it afflicts you? You're mourning over your sins to the point when you say this with your heart, you know what? I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from myself and I'm going to pant after God. People always talk about their experience with God, but they always leave out this affliction and this mourning and this weeping and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy and happiness. Everybody wants an encounter with God on their terms. Everybody wants an encounter with God that's uh, easy and light, not heavy. Fun, but not weeping. And if it's tears, it better be happy tears, but nobody ever wants to shed sorrow tears for God. God don't want our sacrifices. He wants our tears. God don't want our religious duty. He wants our brokenness. God wants our humility. God wants our weeping. God wants our brokenness. God wants our sorrow. Why is it when Jesus invites us, He says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and weary, and I'll give you rest. Why does, it, why does Jesus say, I don't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance? Why 
Why is it that the man who smote himself on his breast and would not even know us look, him, look up his eyes to heaven, why was that man's prayer heard and not the other man? Why was the broken and the hurting and the miserable, why did he come for them? Why did he come for the outcast? And the, the, why did he come to set the captive free? No, he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. To experience God is to experience first, I'd say, yourself. Mourning and afflicted over our sins. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Okay, I'm going to do it. But cleanse your hands. (laughs) Ye sinners, how dare you say that about me? I want to come to God. Okay, you come, but you cleanse your hands. You sinners, you purify your hearts. You double-minded. You, you come afflicted and you, you mourn and you weep. If you come to Him, don't come laughing and snickering. Don't, you have nothing to laugh about. There's nothing to rejoice in. Rejoice because your name's in heaven. Rejoice in His salvation. But you have nothing to have joy in. Let your joy be heaviness and humble yourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. Let's get a song. What will we sing, Bryson? Page number 330. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he, shall, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now tonight, you might think you're something, you know. You might think you look good. You might think you're so funny. You might think you're so smart. You might think that the whole congregation is just impressed with you. That everybody just enjoys being around you. You might think that you're the best of them all. I would say to you, humble yourselves under the sight of God. Mourn and weep and be afflicted. And seek after God. Seek God. Hey, seeking God ain't just putting a Facebook post on there. Say amen. (laughs) Seeking God ain't just making a spiritual comment. No. Oh God, I come before you broken, boasting in nothing. I need you real bad. I need you. Nobody's looking at me. I'm not even being, you know, a humble brag here. That's why we, we come so like God owes us something because our humility. No, be broken in His presence. Be miserable in His presence. He'll lift you up. Hurt in His presence. And He'll heal you. Weep in His presence and God shall wipe away all tears. Seek Him and He shall be found. Run to Him and He'll run to you. You're not the most interesting one here. God is. God is. Draw nigh to Him and He'll draw nigh to you. Amen? Let's sing together. Let's sing.